Hello and welcome to the I Can Do podcast with Benjamin Lee. We're here to talk about tips and strategies to have an I can do mindset. Life is what you put into it. Get the most you can. Here's your host, Benjamin Lee. You know, the last couple of years have been tough. There's been a lot of talk about different kinds of medicines. And, you know, a lot of people have a lot of strong emotions about what medicines to take during the last couple of years. Should you take the vaccine? Should you not take the vaccine? This is not a sermon about the vaccine or not taking it. But we have had a lot of conversation about medicines, and we all understand that medicine is important. We know the value of medicine, right? If your child is sick and you want them to feel better, you're going to go and take them to a doctor. And it's interesting as well because even when you go to the doctor, sometimes you may not even need a prescription. You may not even need any medicine. They say, no, just get some rest and some water or maybe some chicken soup or something like that. You may actually be a little bit disappointed. You're not going to give me a prescription? No, you just need to go back home and rest. But we understand the power of medicine. But there's a kind of medicine that I wonder if we don't put enough attention upon. Kind of medicine that can change our entire home and family dynamic. And this medicine is mentioned in Proverbs chapter 17. In Proverbs chapter 17 and verse number 22, where in Proverbs 17 and verse number 22, the Bible says this, a joyful heart is good medicine. A cheerful heart, a happy heart, a joyful heart is good medicine. But a broken bone or a broken spirit dries up the bones. There is something important and valuable, obviously, about having joy in our hearts. Every Christian that is sitting in this audience this morning should be overflowing with joy. That does not mean that every circumstance in your life is perfect. And you may actually be sick with some kind of physical condition. But all of us, because of who we are in Jesus Christ, well, we should have a lot of joy in our hearts. Would you agree with that? Joy goes a long way in the home. It is good medicine. And to the young people, I want to encourage you that you have an opportunity to bring joy to your family. Husbands and wives, we have an opportunity to bring joy to our families. But what might this exactly look like? What is something that all of us can do? Whether we have a lot of money or a little bit or whether we're vintage or young, what can we do to bring even more joy into our homes? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about this morning. When you think about this idea of joy, there's a passage and there's one big thought that I really want to impress and drive upon each and every one of you this morning. You want to bring joy to your home? Be content. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 6, 7, and 8, the Apostle Paul talked about contentment. He said, but godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it either. If we have food and covering with these, we shall be content. This morning, where do you find yourself? Do you find yourself with joy in your heart? And do you find yourself with a spirit or an attitude or disposition of contentment? 
Contentment should be in every Christian's life. It's got to be a part of our DNA, and especially our young people as well. Our children need contentment. And what Paul is telling us here is that, listen, contentment and godliness, you have it all if you have those. So how do we do it? And, and how can we bring this joy to our families and to our homes? Well, it begins by having a spirit of contentment. As you think about our families and your family this morning, all of us can make a difference in the home if we are willing to be content. So let's talk about that. Because there are some dangers that can destroy the joy that we should be having in our lives. When you think about contentment in the home, the thing that can destroy the joy in the home is discontentment. And there is an attitude that is found in the book of Proverbs. If you turn over to Proverbs chapter 30, turn over there, please, that all of us need to be aware of. It's something that our children need to be aware of. And I will tell you, it's a challenging thing at times. And if we do not overcome it, then we're not going to have the kind of joy that we should be experiencing in our homes. Discontentment will destroy joy in the home. Look at the mindset or attitude that we find in Proverbs chapter 30, verse number 15 and 16. The Bible says the leech has two daughters. Give, give. There are three things that will not be satisfied. Four that will not say enough. Sheol and the barren womb. Earth that is never satisfied with water. And fire that never says enough. Are we like leeches? Where we have this spirit of give me more, give me more, give me more. The leech is not going to be satisfied. And contentment is the very idea of being satisfied or understanding that we, what we have indeed is sufficient. What the proverb writer talks about here are things that are not satisfied. And when we are, have this attitude of discontentment, there's something that's missing here. Look at the examples that he shows us. Three things that will not be satisfied. Uh, Sheol, the grave is always going to continue to accept more. And the barren womb, the woman who can never have a child, she's never going to be satisfied because she can't have what she so desperately desires. Earth that is never satisfied with water. Sadly, we've seen this even with floods, but the earth is going to soak up all that water. It will continue to take more and more. And fire that never says enough. You can look in California. Fire rages. It won't stop on its own. It will just keep consuming and, and burning more and more. Well, this kind of attitude is dangerous. The attitude of more and more. Of never being satisfied discontentment will ruin our homes. It will strip away the joy that we all should be experiencing in our homes. And it's something that we have to avoid at all costs. Discontentment can get us into a lot of trouble. And God expects us to be content with the very things that he has provided for us. There's an interesting story in Luke chapter 12, we turn over there in Luke chapter 12, just an interesting interaction with a man where a man will ask Jesus a question. And I want you to think about this for a second. If you were in a crowd and you had the opportunity to ask Jesus for one question or one question or to ask him to help you with one thing, what might that be? Well, look at what this man asked. In Luke, thir- in Luke chapter 12, verse number 13, someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the family inheritance with me. That was the question. That was the statement. That's the biggest thing on this man's mind. 
help me to get my family inheritance. You see the problem with this man? Greed. There's some kind of discontentment because of what Jesus is going to say next. He said in verse 14, but he said to him, man, who appointed me a judge or arbitrator over you? Then he said to them, beware and be on your guard against every form of greed. This is a warning for us as well. A double warning about greed or covetousness. And that often happens because there is a lack of contentment. And beware of this, he said, for not even when one has an abundance does his life consist of his possessions. And yet the world tells us, buy more possessions, have more, consume more. You're not going to have enough. Keep going after it. And he told them a parable saying the land of a rich man was very productive. I want you to take note of that point there as well. This man's land was productive only because of God. God was the one that was blessing him with this land and this productivity, uh, this productive uh, stuff that he had. And he began reasoning to himself, and this is the point I really want to get to here, saying, what shall I do since I have no place to store my crops? Then he said, this is what I will do. I'll, I'll tear down my barns and build larger ones, and there I will store all my grain and my goods. You see what the problem was with that man? There were a couple of problems. But the very thing that he had right in front of him did not seem to be enough. His land was productive. He had so much already. But he said, you know what, I'm just going to make it even more. And there is a danger that can happen for us when we fail to appreciate the blessings that are right in front of our faces. The family that sits next to us, the cars that we have, the homes that we have, the clothes, the food. If you have food, clothing, and protection or covering, you're rich. So we are extremely rich. But what can destroy a home and the joy that should be found in a home? Not being content with the very things that are right in front of us. You want to bring joy to your home? Young people, you want to bring joy to your parents? Be satisfied with what they provide for you. Appreciate the things that they provide for you. Recognize what you have right in front of you at your house. The possessions that you have. And parents, do you want to help your children to learn to be content? That's a pretty big question. And that really takes us to the next point, that we have to learn to be content. How do we teach our children to be content? That would make for a great Bible study as well. This is a learned behavior. We turn over to Philippians chapter 4. In Philippians chapter 4, in verses 11, 12, and 13, the apostle Paul, at the end of his letter uh, to the church in Philippi, he's going to talk about this idea of contentment. And he talks about himself. He says in verse number 11, and we're picking it up in the middle of the context as he begins to wrap up some of his thoughts. He said, not that I speak from want, but I have learned to be content. Here it is. In whatever circumstances I am. There are certain things that every Christian, whether you're new to the faith or have been a Christian for a number of years, have to learn. One of the biggest things we must learn is contentment. Titus 3. We're not going to read that, but Titus 3. Paul also speaks about Christians learning to be zealous for good deeds. We constantly are learning. And this idea, as Paul said, I have learned to be content in whatever circumstances I am. Our joy 
And our contentment is not rooted upon or in the circumstances that we may have. Our joy is rooted in Jesus Christ. That's where our contentment is found. Because circumstances will change. Ask people in California. They don't have a home anymore, at least some of them. Ask people, uh, where is it, in Kentucky or Tennessee, where all the flooding's taking place. All their stuff is gone in 45 minutes. Circumstances can change overnight. Ask people in southeast Texas back in 2017. We know how this is. But it doesn't mean that our joy suddenly is stripped from us. It's rooted in something far better. In fact, this is a letter from prison. And yet Paul is emphasizing in verse number four, rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. Paul is still pressing forward in chapter three as he left everything behind. Why? In verse number 10, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death. In verse 13, he said of chapter 3, Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and reaching forward to what lies ahead. Paul left a lot behind. You can read his resume earlier in the chapter. He said, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You see, his joy was not in the things that he had left behind. His joy is not found whether or not he was in prison or out of prison. His joy was rooted in Jesus Christ, who he was, what Jesus has accomplished, the resurrection of the dead, and what is to come. At the end of chapter 3, Paul said in verse number 20, For our citizenship is in heaven, from which also we eagerly wait for a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power of That he is even to subject all things to himself. That is a source of joy. That's reason to be content. Because no matter what our circumstances may be. And that's what Paul is driving back at in uh, in chapter 4. In verse number 12 he said, I know how to get along with humble means. Was everything exactly the way Paul wanted them to be? No. In fact, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11... When we get there in our Wednesday night class, Paul gives this whole list of times where he was hungry and suffering and beaten. I know how to get along with humble means. And I know how to live in prosperity in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of being filled and going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. In verse number 13, Paul would say, I can do all things through him. That's where his strength and joy came from. Who strengthens me. Our contentment must reside in Jesus Christ. Contentment is something that is acquired, not inherited. It's something that we have to work on. And I will say this, it takes time to develop. I'm I'm a work in progress, and maybe you are as well, about this idea of learning to be content. Our joy and contentment is going to be found in Christ. And what Paul does here in Philippians chapter 4, it's interesting. He begins to touch on exactly how we can do this. 
because that's a question that I would ask for all parents. Please give me some feedback after services are concluded, all right? How are you teaching your children to be content? And this is not a trick question, all right? I'm being serious here. How did you or how have you been teaching your children to be content? It's a learned behavior. So please help me with with my children, with Joshua, and help me for myself. Paul, though, gives us some insight on here's how you can do it. Or here's a great starting place. If you want to have this joy in the home and learn to be content, look at what he says in verse 6. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there's any excellence and if anything worthy of praise, dwell on these things. What do you see there? Well, I see, number one, we've got to be intentional about these things. Where our minds are, what we focus upon, going to God in prayer, all of these things I think can help us when it comes to this idea of being content. And yet this is a challenge for us. What are some other ways that we can do it? I believe the Bible gives us some more insight on this as well, about how we can be content And I want to start with this here, number one, have less. What if we just had less? Less stuff. Anybody buying this? Maybe? Let me know. It is interesting how America says, get more and you'll feel better. That's right. But the more people have, the worse They seem, at times, not everybody, to be. And yet, what is pushed is this. Have more. Then you'll really be happy. Then your home will be great. You won't have any problems. You'll really have this joy. But the reality is, it often leads to making even more problems. And one of the interesting things is, Americans have so much, we got to find a place to put all of our stuff. It is interesting, because there are storage facilities, you know, when you drive through Texas, you know what you see the most? Storage facilities and donut shops. I don't know if that's a good sign for us here in the great state of Texas, okay? But it is fascinating how there are so many storage facilities. And I just started looking into this. Who has the most? Texas. <laughs> and where are the most in Texas? The DFW area. I thought this was really interesting as well here with the storage facilities. I'm going to kick now. Uh, that there are more storage facilities and fast food restaurants. Houston, we have a problem. We have so much stuff, we can't put our cars in the garage. Have more. You'll be happy. I don't know. A lot of people got a lot of stuff. They're not always happy. Not always content. One more dress. One more pair of shoes. You know what? Maybe a better way to live? Have less. Can I challenge you with something? Turn over to the book of Proverbs. You see, the Proverbs tell us that it is actually sometimes better to have a little. 
Proverbs 15. This isn't me or trying to force something upon you that I'm not going to try to do. I got to live this as well. Sometimes it is better to have a little less sometimes is a blessing. In Proverbs 15, verse number 17, better is a dish of vegetables, talking about being vegan. No, he's not. I'm sorry, but I have to just include that there, all right? But better is a dish of vegetables where love is. Man, if you have love in the home and you're eating off of just plastic plates and, and forks and sporks or whatever they're called, but you have love, you're blessed. And you can have love and have a lot of stuff as well. But don't we know families like this who have everything or it looks like they have everything, the big house and the, the cars and the trips, but they don't have love. You see, better is a dish of vegetables where love is than a fattened ox served with hatred. How sad it is for so many homes to eat the best food there is while they sit across from one another hating each other. That ain't living. And that's not joy. Better is a little. In chapter 16 and verse number 8, is that slide up? It's not, so let me put it up here. In chapter 16 and verse number 8, better is a little with righteousness than great income with injustice. How many times do people and even Christians fall into this trap? They want more money. They want more income. They have this love for money, but they go about getting it in all the wrong ways. And we shouldn't have that love for money anyway, right? And so they go down a path of not doing what is right, a path of injustice. And what the proverb is telling us is that you're better off having a little with righteousness. Better is a little. You want to learn to be content? You want to bring more joy to your home? Maybe have less. Better is a little. In chapter 17 and verse number 1, better is a dry morsel and quietness with it than a house full of feasting. It's interesting all these things are connected to food, aren't they? But you're better off having a dry morsel with some quietness than a house full of feasting with strife. When people don't get along in their own home, what a sad commentary. And we can try to disguise these relationship problems Try to pretend like they're not there with buying more things. But it doesn't take away the issue at hand. And we're better off sometimes having less. But America and the world tells us, no, you're not. You're better if you have more. This is why we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. And not get caught up in the trap of the world of going after more and more. You want to learn to be content? You want your children to learn to be content? Maybe it's better to have a little bit less and to focus on what really matters. What matters is not a five-star meal or a hundred-dollar meal at Disney World. What matters is righteousness. What matters in the home is love. What matters in the home is peace and joy. That is a beautiful home. That's how we can have this joy in the home. You want to you want to learn to be content. Remember God's faithfulness. I think this is an interesting example here in the book of Leviticus. We turn over there, 
where God, there were three particular feasts that were to be remembered every year. And in the book of Leviticus, chapter 23, there's one in particular that uh, I began thinking about here as I was thinking about this idea of, of contentment. In Leviticus chapter 23, beginning in verse number 34, the Bible says, Speak to the sons of Israel, saying, On the 15th of this seventh month is the feast of booths for seven days to the Lord. On the first day is a holy convocation. You should do no laborious uh, work of any kind. For seven days you shall present an offering by fire to the Lord. On the eighth day you shall have a holy convocation and present an offering by fire to the Lord. It is an assembly. I want you to drop down to verse number 41. He says, you shall just celebrate it as a feast to the Lord for seven days in the year. Earlier in verse number 40, he talks about rejoicing before the Lord during these seven days. And he goes, to, he goes on to say in verse number 41, It shall be a perpetual um, statute throughout your generations. You shall celebrate it in the seventh month. You shall live, here it is right here, in booths for seven days. All the native born in Israel shall live or dwell in these tents. Why? So that your generations may know that I had the sons of Israel live in booths when I brought them out from the land of Egypt. I am the Lord your God. What an interesting way to remember that every year you're going to change the way you live for a week. And there's some application maybe we could put in there. Maybe we can start doing some fasting in our homes where when we start taking things away just for a little bit, you know what happens when you get those things back? Oof, man, I really enjoy this even more. But they had this thing that God had established for him and for them to remember what he had done in the past. And no matter how you go about doing this, maybe you camp out in your backyard for a week. I bet when you come back into the home, you'll appreciate things a lot more. But this was done to help them to remember. And let's face it, one of the biggest challenges for us as the people of God is forgetting what God has done. When we forget, discontentment can grow in our hearts. Remember his faithfulness. Remember how far he has brought you in your marriage with your children, with your career. Remember when you just had a little. That wasn't even an option. It was just the reality of life. You were eating that dry morsel and that dish of vegetables Or maybe for us, ramen noodles. Remember how good God has been to you. This is how we can have joy in the home. And this is how we can learn to be content. And another way that we can learn to be content is with more worship. When you think about worship in the home, can I ask you, what does your worship in the home look like at this very moment? Did you think about it? I told Nikki this afternoon I want to talk this afternoon because it's July 31st. And we need to do some inventory of the past month. Where do we need to improve for the month of August? It's got to be more than just the budget. Or meetings and appointments, Bible studies. Those are all great. What else, though, in the home? Where do we need to course correct? 
Do we need more worship in the home? Can we even say that we can have too much worship? Well, we know the answer to that. You see, when our joy is found in Christ, and we truly understand that, and we have this satisfaction, and we know that we, we, we really do have everything and that God is going to provide for us, our worship will increase. And, and Paul is a great example of this, Paul and Silas. He's been beaten. He was struck with many blows in Acts 16, verse 23. But at midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns of praise to God, and the prisoners were listening to them. The prisoners were listening, and the prisoners were watching. And there's something for us as parents. You want to bring joy in your home? And help your children develop a heart of worship and an attitude of, of gratitude and of worshiping God. Do they listen? Are they able to listen to you in worship? Are they able to see you singing praises to God? Or see me reading my Bible, not just for a sermon or a Bible class? We need more worship in the home. In Psalm 42 and verse number 1 Psalm 42, as the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? What powerful words that we sing, but do we mean them? Is my desire, is your desire, brothers and sisters, God? Him and His Word. A thirst and the satisfaction that we can find in our great God. See, the world tells us, get more stuff and you can be more happy and content and have more joy in the home. You will never be satisfied. You'll be like a leech or the grave or like fire. But Jesus reminds us in the Sermon on the Mount the very verses that we are asking our young people to memorize that will serve us well if we memorize them as well because they will learn from us if we actually believe these words. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst not for more money, not for a bigger home, not for more extravagant stuff, but hunger and thirst for righteousness. Why? For they will be satisfied. Too many people today, including God's people, sometimes, I don't read, I can't read the hearts of people, but you can see actions, and sometimes we're not just, we're not satisfied as we should be. Satisfaction truly will be found in God and His Word. You want to learn to be content? Maybe have less. Remember God's faithfulness. More worship. That is how we can learn to be content. If you really want to challenge yourself, make me a servant. We sang that song. Serve others. It's Acts chapter 20. Paul is going to quote from Jesus. At some point in time, Paul heard these words from Christ or received these words from Christ. Paul was a hard worker. He said in verse number 33 of Acts chapter 20, I've coveted no one's silver or gold or clothes. We shouldn't do this. We should do the same thing, right? We should not covet other people's stuff. You yourselves know that these hands minister to my own needs and to the men who are with me. 
Paul took care of his own finances. He worked hard. He even provided for others. And everything I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. Are we working hard to get more stuff? Or are we working hard to help the weak? Are we working hard so that we can even be a blessing even more? Think about all of those uh, storage facilities. Are we trying to protect our stuff where that has been more of a concern than trying to save souls? I showed you that by working hard in this manner, you must help the weak. And remember the words of the Lord Jesus that he himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. That is totally opposite of the leech. Give, give. No, Jesus said, no, you be the giver. You give. You will be blessed if you give and even more so than receiving. You want to learn to be content? Give. Give in a big way. And please don't mistake me where I, where you may think, well, is he saying we never do this? Don't mistake me with that, all right? But this is something that we need to remember. And maybe we aren't doing this. And if we aren't doing this, then we need to start doing it. It will help us. We'll be blessed. That's what Jesus says. We'll be blessed to do this. And this will help us with contentment and satisfaction. Our satisfaction won't be on all the stuff and money, but it will be on Christ, his work. And his will. And sometimes we may not even buy into this idea. Is it really more blessed to receive or to give than to receive? Because I really like a lot of gifts on my birthday, all right? I really like to have these things being given to me. But is it is that really true? You want to know if that's true or not? We know that it's true because the Bible says it's true. But if you want another way, live it. Do it. Serve. Worship. Be faithful. Have less. And you may find that you'll have even more joy in your home and contentment. (sighs) I thought I had another slide there. I don't have the slide, so let me give you the verse. 1 Timothy chapter 6. We started with this text, and I want to conclude with it this morning. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, Paul said, But godliness actually is a means of great gain when accompanied by contentment. How we live and walk in our relationship with God, it matters. And what Paul is helping us to see is that our walk should be filled with contentment. Here's why. For we have brought nothing into the world, so we cannot take anything out of it. You know, all the things that we have belong to God anyway. Everything we have ultimately belongs to him because he's given us the source or the wisdom and the energy to have these things. If we have food, do you have food this morning? I know I have food. I ate way too much food in southeast Texas. I'm pretty sure I got a lot of food. Do you have food this morning? I know you do. And covering? I know we do as well. With these, we shall be content there it is that's how you can bring joy to the home if you're 10 years old or 15 years old be content mom and dad this is how we can bring joy to the home 
And this is how we can be pleasing to our God in heaven. That's really what it's all about. Once again, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode. If you are in the need or are looking for more motivation in your life, feel free to check out my website, benjaminlee.blog, where you can find hundreds of encouraging motivational blog posts on a variety of subjects. You can find all of my books, which can also be found on amazon.com and other podcast interviews with a variety of people. I hope this helps. Please leave me a rating and a review. I can do and so can you. Take care and God bless. Thank you.